0: Morning, Scotts Hill. I am so glad to be with you here today. My name is Josh Hansen, and I'm blessed to be the family pastor. And we're gonna jump right in. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, get your Bible apps out, and make your way to John chapter 3. We're in John chapter 3 this morning. And now, the book of John, we, we know that the book of John, written by John the Apostle, John the Disciple, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. But It was written by one of the 12 disciples, and not just any of the disciples, one of Jesus' inner circle. See, John, along with Peter and James, was blessed to be able to be in Jesus' inner circle and be one of Jesus' closest friends. In fact, we see John write that he calls himself the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. And so we know that this is coming from somebody who was super close with Jesus, and that's awesome to be thinking about as we approach God's word this morning. But today, we're actually not going to be talking about John the disciple, but instead, John the Baptist. See, in John chapter 3, we got John writing about a different John, and so we're going to read that together this morning. Start um, with me in John chapter 3, verse 22. Let's read together. After this... He who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Will you join me in praying for God to use this time to grow our faith, to teach us and to transform our lives this morning. Let's pray. God, we're grateful to be in your house today and to have your presence among us. We're so grateful for what you've done through Jesus Christ in our lives, saving us from our sins and giving us new life. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that your word would be personal and impactful for everybody in the house today. God, I pray that you would do a mighty work this morning and that you would get all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today I'm very excited. I've got a message for you entitled, Less is More. Let's say that together. Less is more. That's right. I believe this is absolutely 100% true, especially when it comes to our spiritual lives, especially when it comes to our relationship with God and our walk with Jesus Christ. Less is more. And I believe that the key to more in this life. Walking with God is our ability to say no. I believe it. I believe that our ability to say no is so essential to our life and more with our relationship with God. Because ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's always about priorities, right? It's always about making choices, right? It's always about having to sacrifice one thing for something else, right? And so I want to put it this way for you this morning. I believe our need in 2020 is to start or is to say no to the world's substitutes so that we can say yes to worshiping the Savior. We have to say no to the world's substitutes so that we can be able to say yes to worshiping our Savior, Jesus. And I believe this wisdom plays itself out in this passage that we see this, this kind of unfolding in the text. And now to give you some context for where we are in John chapter 3, Jesus had just begun his earthly ministry. He was about 30 years old or so, and he had just begun his earthly ministry. It is believed that before Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, died for our sins, rose again, saved us, hallelujah, before that happened, that he walked this earth for three years doing ministry around the area. And Jesus had just begun that right before we, we, we dropped into verse uh, chapter 3, verse 22. We see that Jesus, he begins his ministry at a wedding, the wedding at Cana, where he turns water into wine. I don't know about you, but maybe you want to be at that wedding. Sounds like fun. I don't know. He turns water into wine at a wedding. Then he goes into the temple, and he flips the tables, and he gets his Indiana Jones on. He's, he's cracking whips, and he's using righteous anger to display how much God disapproved of the fact that they turned his house of worship into a marketplace where people were making money. It goes to show you that Jesus might be against the prosperity gospel. I don't know. You figure it out. See, Jesus then, he goes and he meets Nicodemus, a guy who nobody really liked, and he befriends him, he shows him love, and he shares the gospel with him. So, man, Jesus gets a start to his ministry that makes some waves, right? Jesus kicked it off with a bang. He's making a name for himself, and people are starting to follow him, and Jesus is gaining some momentum in his ministry when we pick up in John chapter 3, verse 22. Let's read it again together. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. So now Jesus, his next step in ministry is, I'm going to start baptizing people. And so he's doing the same thing that John the Baptist, who gets his name from baptizing, is doing. He's baptizing people. And what's so cool about this picture is that John is baptizing people right down the road. Check it out. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because the water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized. I mean, picture this. You've got John the Baptist and Jesus Christ baptizing people just down the road. How cool is this? I mean, it's kind of like this image. You've got this awesome, awesome church, and then another awesome, awesome church plants itself right across the street. I mean, what could go wrong? I mean, it's not like they're ever going to compete with each other. I wish I didn't have to say that with such sarcasm. But the sad truth is exactly what happened here the sad truth is in our fallen human nature we can't help but begin to compare and compete with those around us right we have this this sense that we need to make sure that we defend ourselves against everyone else you know we we keep looking around at that other guy that other girl and man don't you hey this is my territory don't you infringe on my territory i'm the funny one in this group I'm the one who cracks the jokes. Or, hey, did you bring a baked good to this party? Mm Mm-mm, that's my job. I'm the one who makes sure nobody's hungry in this house. Don't be infringing upon my territory. That's, That's mine. See, we find so many things for us to compete over that it gets ridiculous. But we can't help but compare and compete even in the Christian world. And that's exactly what we see here in John 25, 26. Look, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. So you got John's disciples. They roll up to John. They're like, yo, John, that dude Jesus you were talking about? yeah. He's stealing all your people across the street. They're all going to him to get baptized now. They don't call him Jesus the Baptist. What does he think he is? This is your job, John. He's taking all the people. And I love this. I love how John the Baptist responds. This is what he says. He answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And so John brings his boys together. He says, come here, boys, come on. Listen, I'm not here to worry about anything other than my job. I'm supposed to focus on my calling, not the calling of somebody else. It's not my job to worry about their job. I'm here To do the calling that God has placed before my life. And if God has called them to do that, then hey, praise be to him and let's encourage them. Because we are not supposed to do anything other than what God has given us to do. Don't worry about what what he's doing. I'm doing my job. He's doing his. And he says, plus, I'm not Jesus. Jesus. You know that guy that I've been telling you about, the Savior of the world, the one who's going to save everything, the one who's going to change everything, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Come on, the guy who is going to redeem our world from the brokenness it is. It's that guy. It's not me. I've been telling you about this Messiah. I'm not him. In fact, my job is just to point to him. And that's what John tells his followers. That's what he says to his disciples. And then he continues in verse 29. He says, The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Now, John paints this this wedding scene, this picture for us of a wedding. And he says, listen, Jesus is the groom. This is his wedding, and I'm just the best man. And what's a best man's job? It sure isn't to steal the thunder from the groom. No, the best man's job at a wedding is to make that groom look good. He's there to straighten his tie He's there to help help him get over all the feels that he's in because, you know, guys have them too. And he's there to, at the reception, give a speech that honors the groom. The best man's job at a wedding is to make the groom look good. And John says, I'm the best man, and this is Jesus' wedding. This wedding, it isn't about me. It's about Jesus. That's what he's saying here, and he paints this picture of a wedding, and it's so beautiful because you got Jesus as the groom, but who's the bride? Who's the bride? It's us. It's you. It's me. It's all the broken people of the world. We are the people that Jesus is madly in love with. We are the ones that he is willing to commit to for all eternity. We're the ones he makes a promise that he will keep us until the day that he returns. It's us. John says, listen, we're at a wedding and Jesus is here to take his bride and we're going to celebrate because that is the greatest news in the history of the world. I'm not here to steal the show. No, I'm here to celebrate because the groom is here and he's going to take his bride we're at a wedding so let's party this joy of mine is now complete he says the best man just rejoices that he gets to hear the voice of the groom john is saying listen i've been talking about this jesus guy and now i am just rejoicing because i hear his voice My joy is complete, not because I'm competing with him, because I'm pointing to him. And he's here. I can see him and I can call him my friend. Is there anybody in the house today who rejoices because you've heard the voice of Jesus Christ? Is there anybody in the house today who rejoices because you've seen Jesus and his work in your life? Is there anybody here who rejoices that you call Jesus friend? Yes. We rejoice the same that john did our joy can be complete because we got to see jesus and we got to see him take his bride namely us and save us from the broken life that we were destined for and redeem us to the life he's called us to it's a picture that john paints here and jesus is the only one who can complete that picture And John knows that, and that's why he's happy Jesus has come. And he continues and says, he must increase, but I must decrease. John didn't want people to follow him. He didn't. He wanted people to follow Jesus. And so he says, listen, increase your followership of Jesus and decrease your followership of me. He must become great in your eyes, and I must become less. Don't make a big deal about John the Baptist, start making a really big deal about Jesus Christ. He tells his followers, his disciples that don't follow me, don't focus on me, focus on Jesus. And now as we sit here today, I want to urge us not to get too judgmental of John's disciples, his followers. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and be like, those clowns. Why in the world would they want to follow John, Mr. Camel-hair-wearing, locust-eating, honey-sipping hippie over Jesus. They don't even compare. Why would you want to follow John over Jesus? But before we get too judgmental, I think we need to look in the mirror and realize that we do the same thing today. The struggle is just as real for us today. We slide into the worship of Christian leaders rather than Christ. I mean, come on, think about it. We live in the age of celebrity pastors. Let that title sink in. Celebrity pastors. That's the world we live in in 2020. And I would argue that today we probably have more people who are worshiping and following Christian leaders and pastors than the one those Christian leaders and pastors are supposed to be pointing to. You've got more disciples of pastors than disciples of Jesus. More disciples of Christian celebrities than disciples of Jesus. The struggle that John saw in his followers is a struggle we are in today. Christian, follower of Jesus... He needs to be the focus of your worship. No man, no woman, nobody on this earth can compare to Jesus. John 3.30 says he must increase, I must decrease. Look to Jesus, not me. Decrease your worship of pastors and increase your worship of Jesus. Decrease your love of Christian leaders and increase your worship and your love of Jesus. You've got to have some give and take. If your focus and your love and your worship is all in one direction, Jesus is getting the leftovers. He's got to be the main course. Don't replace scripture with a podcast. Don't, replace a Beth, don't substitute a Beth Moore book with the Bible. Don't memorize the words of Francis Chan when you should be memorizing the words of Jesus. And please don't post cute quotes unless you learn how to quote the word that God wrote for you in his In the word of God in the scriptures. We get caught up in the mess of what's popular. Because it gets easier, right? It's easier for me to listen to a podcast than it is for me to open up my Bible and grind out a study session. It's easier for me to turn on worship music than it is for me to formulate some words in prayer. It's easier for me to listen to a sermon than it is for me to understand what God teaches us. I get it. And so we drift into this worship of the things that God created for us rather than the creator. So you got to say no to the world's substitutes so you can say yes to worshiping the Savior. And that means, yes, that sometimes you got to say no to something good so you can say yes to something great. Because listen, don't get me wrong, I, I, I do believe that, that pastors are good. Worship music is good for the most part. Christian podcasts are good. But Jesus, no, no, Jesus is great. He's the greatest of all time. He is great. And in order to say yes to what's great, we may have to say no to what's good so that he can take his proper place. Because nothing on this earth compares to Jesus, nothing. Nothing. No pastor, sorry Phil, no church, no sermon, no book, no Bible study, no small group will ever be able to give you what you need most in this life. Because what you need most in this life is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's the greatest need of any person alive. And it only comes through a one-on-one With you and your Savior. And that's what you need most. So don't think I'm saying these things are bad, but just understand that they've got their proper place. See, these are things intended to grow your faith, they're important tools for the growth of your faith. But don't let the things intended to grow your faith be the source of your faith. That's the struggle. We get tricked into allowing the things intended to grow our faith, becoming the source of it. We lose sight of the source because we've been so accustomed to using the things intended to grow our faith. But that foundation of your faith, the the thing you need most has to be Jesus and Jesus alone. You may say, how do I know if that's true in my life? How do I know if... if That's a big struggle for me. Well, let me ask you this. When you're feeling down, do you listen to a sermon or do you fall on your knees in prayer? When you need some encouragement, do you open up your Bible or do you start listening to your favorite worship music? Is it Jesus first? Or is it the man-made religion intended to worship Him? See, I think it's important for us to distinguish the two. We have to understand that our religious activity cannot be our God. Jesus needs to be. And we need to have a personal relationship with him one-on-one. You don't go get your church on, you live it every day when you wake up and choose Jesus. That's the difference. That's what makes all the difference. You got to let Jesus and his, his word, his Holy Spirit, be the only essential elements of your worship. Everything else is good and it's a bonus, but you got to keep the essentials where they belong. Can you learn the words of the Bible without a sermon? Can you, can you worship his name without a song? Can you, can you talk to him outside of a prayer circle? You need that in your life. Solitude with God, time alone with God. You need that. And if you're here struggling with your faith, I'd be willing to put a bet that it has a lot to do with the distractions you have in your life with social media and TV. Or with the busyness of your schedule and your commitments. I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know your struggle but if your faith is weak right now my first two questions are in those arenas how busy are you and how distracted are you because you may need to downsize your distractions so you can upgrade your faith you may need to downsize so you can upgrade you got to get rid of some stuff so that you can actually grow it's true for every single one of us. It's this idea of pruning. Jesus prunes us. He, he, he takes and shapes us by removing the unnecessary. We need it. We got to downsize. See, we may need to get away from the busyness in our life to downgrade, downsize the distractions by getting away And spending some time in the wilderness. I'm not saying we're gonna all go on a backpacking trip through Boone in the mountains. I mean, that'd be cool. You guys down? Next week? Cool. Nah, I'll be in Disney. But you need to get away from the busyness of your life for a moment. You need to remove the distractions and choose a wilderness retreat because you know what God does in the wilderness? He prepares a way. That's what we see in the life of John. Look at the prophecy about his life in Isaiah 40. Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare a way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This we learn is a prophecy about John the Baptist. The boy we be talking about who says he must increase and I must decrease. You know where he gets that idea? In the wilderness when he realized that the only thing he truly needs in this life is God. Because when you're in the wilderness, life is tough and you got to rely on God. When you're in the wilderness, you got to actually work at things because they don't just come easy. You can't order Amazon in the wilderness. When you're in the desert, you don't get your easy, quick coffee. No, you got to work at your faith in the wilderness and you have to trust in God, not in the comforts of this world. Let me tell you, we may need some wilderness time, some desert time in our lives to prepare us. That's what John did. We see, this wasn't just a prophecy. It actually came true. We see it in Luke 1.80. And the child, we're talking about John here. You can check it for yourself. He grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance in Israel. John's spiritual strength had a direct correlation to his reliance on God in the wilderness. Do you rely on God in the wilderness? Or are you too busy and distracted to even need him? You may need a time of solitude apart from everything else in this world so you can reorient your priorities with your God in the year 2020. might be the year that you need to do that. I can promise you this, it's probably a year where you need to fast from your phone. I know I need to. I'm addicted to that thing. Confession time. I look at it too much, I touch it too much, I'm scrolling too much, I rely on it too much. I get this weird twitch when it's in, not in my pocket, no. But I know I'm not alone in that. We have become obsessed with a device because of what it allows us to access and we have become addicted to it and we worship it without realizing it. I'm not saying that you're a, you know, idol worshiper if you worship your phone, but you might be. No, I, it's true for all of us. We need to fast from our phone. We need to take a break from Disney Plus and Netflix. We need to pause the busyness of our life so we can slow down and focus our gaze on Jesus Christ. So that we can prepare a way for our spiritual growth like John the Baptist did. So we can say with him together the words of John 3.30, he must increase but I must decrease. And you look at this and it's not just him saying hey focus on Jesus, don't focus on me. It's also him saying I got to die to self and Jesus has to become more prominent in my life. See, John is also echoing the words that Jesus says himself in Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. See, what we see is this call for us to decrease, this call for us to die to self, deny self, and to pick up the cross, but... Man, that becomes a difficult thing to do. Why why are more people not picking up their cross? Why is it so difficult for us to pick up our cross? Well, I think I can paint a picture for you real quick. Because this is what we pick up every day. Check this out. We start out our day. The first thing I pick up is a few more minutes of sleep because I'm hitting snooze. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Devo, that's going to come later in the day because I'm going to catch some Z's. Right? First thing you pick up in the day... It's a little bit more asleep. Then, of course, you've got to rush to work, and so i got to get my computer. i got to dress for success, so, you know, I'm there because, you know what, I'm working overtime because I want more in this life. So I'm going to get more money, time to make that bread. I'm working overtime. Long day. You know what, and after that long day, I get home and I'm tired, so you know what, this is me time. It's time for some Disney Plus. Come on, I'm reliving my childhood right here, right now. And you know what, I ain't getting off the couch, so I'm going to need this remote. My, my behind ain't moving. I'm sitting on that couch. Until, of course, I've got my commitment. You know what? My son, he likes basketball, so I coach him. Because you got to coach him, right? And you know what? Then i got my flag football league that I play in, so got to make sure I go to my flag football league. And now my day's, you know, looking a little bit busy, but that's fine because I'm good. You know, and then i got to go shopping afterwards. I'm going to go shopping, make sure I get all the things that I need. And oh, did I forget to mention that this whole time I've been playing on my phone? This whole time I've been on my cell phone, scrolling through the gram, checking Facebook, posting that really cool quote I saw somebody else post. And then before bed, I'm exhausted, but I got to catch up with my Bible study. So I'm going to read this book that, that's by a Christian author that's really, really cool. I want their life. And this is what we look like every day. These are the things we pick up, and then Jesus says, Pick up your cross, and you go, How? How do I pick up the cross? Because the truth is, it's hard to pick up the cross when your hands are full. It is so hard, essentially impossible, to pick up the cross when your hands are full. So maybe this year is the year where you need to go ahead and drop the things of this world so that you can take a step back and you can actually pick up your cross. We got to pick up our cross. We can't keep picking up all these other things and then trying later in the day when our hands are full, when we're exhausted, when we've got nothing left in the tank to pick up the cross because let me tell you, it's heavy. But it's worth it. got to stop picking up everything else first if jesus really is the most important thing in our lives why do we fill our hands with everything else first we got to pick up our cross we got to say what john said in 330 he must increase but i must decrease because less is more amen Because less of you means more of Jesus. Less of you means more of the Holy Spirit. And when you decrease, check this out, so does your pride. When you decrease, so does your selfishness. When you decrease, so does your pain. So does your insecurities. So does your fears. And when Jesus increases, you get all that comes with him. You get forgiveness. You get more love. You get more grace. You get more hope. You get more peace. You get more gentleness. You get more kindness. You get more self-control. You get more service. You get more access to the kingdom of God and all that is in it. You get more of the you God created you to be. Filled with his spirit. He must increase and I must decrease so what does that look like I believe we got to start saying no 2020 is the year of no you heard it here first we've got to say no we are in control of our priorities so we say no to the things that belong below Jesus Christ We say no or not yet, because he comes first. No to the distractions. Plan a getaway with just you and Jesus. Set aside a place and a time for just you and Jesus. Say no to some commitments that might be really good, but if you're not living filled with God, you won't complete them like you're supposed to. So you might have to say not yet. definitely, please, say no to your sin and your selfishness and your your personal desires because what God has for you is better. Look at what Ephesians says, chapter 4, verse 22. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have to put off the old you. Listen, you're a new creation in God, but that old man, that old woman, they're waking up with you every day saying, let me get a piece. They're waking up with you every single day saying, let me make the decisions. Put me in control. And you have to put that off so you can put on Jesus. That's the call every single day. And so what that looks like is we've got to start our days with Jesus. Start saying no and start your day with Jesus. If you're in the house today and you're not a morning person, and you say, Josh, good luck. I weep with you, I tell you. I am not a morning person, but I would put my life on the fact that if you start your day pursuing Jesus Christ personally, You will watch him do a miraculous work in your life. Sleep is not worth it. And I love me some sleep. Start your day with Jesus. Make him the first thing you pick up. Because if you pick up everything else, you're going to be too full to pick him up later, to pick up your cross Start your day with him so you can crucify that old man and echo the words of Paul in Galatians 2 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Hallelujah, that old man is dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God whom loved me and gave himself for me. That's my heart for you in 2020 that we would say no and we would start with Jesus so that we can echo the words of John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. More of Jesus means less of you. listen, as the worship band comes back up, I wanna make sure that I'm speaking to everybody in the house today, everybody who might be watching online. See, this message is what I truly believe is the key to more in this life and the next. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you follow him or not, I think we can all agree that we desire more. We desire more. And today, I want you to hear the truth that the only way you're gonna find the more you're looking for is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because, guys, he is the source of the forgiveness that you've been looking for. He is the source of the hope that you know you need. He is the source of the peace that you can't seem to find. He is the source of the love that can overwhelm your life. It's him and it's your personal relationship with him. That's the only way that you get access. So maybe today is the day when you finally listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he calls you home. Maybe today is the day you ask for forgiveness, knowing that you're not perfect. Maybe today is the day that you put all of your faith in Jesus Christ, the day that you receive from him what he is offering to you freely, life and life eternal salvation for your soul maybe today is when you realize that jesus is what you've been searching for maybe today is the day you stop worshiping the world and start worshiping the savior of it so come on let's close today by standing lifting up our voices in worship Let's sing with all we've got to the God who gave us all we need. Let's lift high the name of Jesus together and let him know that this year we want more of him and less of me. Let's sing it together.